Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Good morning. What an excellent morning. I don't know about uh, the outside. It might be a little dreary. It might be a little raining, but it's great in here. It's been fantastic this morning. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm loving it. You can clap all you want because it's been an excellent, wonderful morning. And I just want it to continue. And I really believe the Lord's going to clear up all the clouds too outside. We're going to have a great afternoon with the children, with uh, friends, and do what Matthew just said, invite somebody. It'll be a great uh, opportunity just to uh, have someone here, show them your church, and they can be blessed along with their children, especially if they're seeking, if they're looking for something. And sometimes people are seeking, they don't even know what they're looking for. But I do, and I think many of you do too. They're looking for... They're looking for a a hole in their life to be filled. They're looking for a vacancy to be taken up. And uh, that is going to happen only through Jesus Christ. And I want to talk to you about some of that this morning. We've been talking about seeking. We have looked at seeking success, seeking a home, seeking a cure, seeking community. We talked about last week. This morning, I want to talk about life, seeking life. And have we truly found life? We've sung a lot this morning about being lost and found amazing grace. My chains are gone. I once was lost, but now I'm found. To be lost is a, to be lost is really can be a frightening thing. And we're not always seeking for things that are lost, but sometimes we are. And I was reminded of just how frightening it can be to be lost or know someone who's lost Just this past week, we've had a few funerals this week. We had uh, Charles Earls and Marge Stetzer, and tomorrow uh, we have Brother Richard. I was at Charles Earls' visitation on Thursday with uh, Brother Barry Allen, and we were visiting with the family, paying our last respects, and as we were getting ready to to, to leave after our visit, one of Charles' sisters came up to me, Ruth Ann, and she said, we need to pray. We need to pray. You can't leave. She said, my brother over there, his granddaughter is missing. And I said, you know, what do you mean missing? And she said, well, they might put out an Amber Alert. And you know, you hear that, and suddenly that might make your heart beat a little faster. And I said, what do you... What are you talking about? This is later in the afternoon. I don't know. It was 4.30 or 5 o'clock thereabouts. And uh, she said, well, this girl didn't come home after school. She hasn't made it. And she said, we need to pray. And not everybody in this room believes in prayer, but come on with me. And I'm going to gather up some other people. And let's go over there where my brother is. And he was sitting down. And I don't know. There was a, a lady next to him. And she was crying. And uh, so we gathered a few people around to pray. There was uh, Jimmy Brandon, I think, came over along with his mom, Christine, and some others, and Barry was there, and we started to pray. And we just said, Lord, find this little girl. She's lost. We don't know where she is. She's been gone now, and uh, you know where she's at. Lord, protect her. Return her. And we just prayed that prayer. And we trusted the look on some of the faces were just, 
so difficult to, to look at and even trying to say goodbye to this lady who was crying and, and, and trying to offer her some comfort was difficult even after we prayed and just as we were about now to walk out the door, she was on the phone and I saw her face completely change. And I heard her say, founder! And absolutely, hallelujah. All right? This was an an 11-year-old girl who hadn't made it home from school. And they didn't know where she was at. So I waited a minute and said, well, tell me the story. And she said, somehow she made it. She was in a different, she got into a different part of the subdivision and she just lost her way. And she was wandering around in her subdivision and after a couple hours, someone finally found her. But imagine the fear and the, and the anxiety and the stress that comes over a person. And she was this... Grandma, I think it was, or aunt was crying and now rejoicing. They found her. And that's, uh, it just reminded me of uh, the Gospel of Luke. I think it's chapter 15 where Jesus says the angels are going to rejoice in heaven when one, when one is found, when one comes to Jesus Christ. There was rejoicing. And the grandfather had moved now to the front of the uh, the front of the room and he was sitting in a chair and Barry sort of nudges me and he says, let's watch this. <laughs> so uh, we took a minute just to watch when this lady went up and whispered in his ear and I could see his head kind of go like this and you, I, you just knew the relief, the relief that came over him. She was lost and now she was found. And there's nothing like that. There is nothing. I don't think there could be anything like realizing you're found. You're found. Is that the way it is with God? We talk about seeking God. Is God lost? Is God lost that we need to go after him? Is he out in a subdivision where he can't find his way around He's having difficulty. He needs a little help. God, you need a little help getting home, do you? No. No, God's not lost. He isn't. Well, then why do we talk about this? Why do we talk about seeking God? Why are we implored over and over again in Scripture to seek God? To seek God. What are we searching for? Does he need, does he need our help? When... When we speak about this, when we read these words, search God, seek God, it's in the sense of the word seek that means pursue, pursue, go after him, consult, inquire. You want to seek someone about your finances, you go to a financial planner because you need some consultation, you need some wisdom, you need to inquire, you need to investigate. This is the concept here of seeking God. We talked about a few weeks ago when you put the letters E-S-T on the end of nearly any word. Somebody is pursuing it. Somebody's going after it. The biggest, the fastest, the highest, the deepest, the widest, the greatest, whatever it is. Somebody's going after it. So not everything we seek is lost. So why do we seek God? Well, if we seek Him, 
there's an opportunity for some great, tremendous, uncomprehensible gain for us. If we seek him, there will be gain. What's the gain? The gain's huge. The gain is life. Life. Because the truth is, God is never lost. We are. We are the lost ones. We're like that little girl out in a subdivision, not which way do I turn? Where do I go? I'm confused. I'm frightened. I'm scared. Where, where is home? We're lost. We are lost. And we're on our way to death unless, unless God. And we find him. And when we find him, we find life. And I give by way of example, some scripture. And I'm going back again to the Old Testament. We've used Jeremiah, we've used Isaiah, I want to use the prophet Amos this morning. Amos wasn't the typical Old Testament prophet. He uh, had a profession. He wasn't the professional prophet who counseled kings on a regular basis. No, he was a herdsman. He kept herds and flocks and he took uh, care of some trees, sycamore fig trees, probably so he could feed his herds. And God called him and just said, go to the land of Judah. He was from the south. or go, um, He was from Judah. He said, go north to Israel. Pardon me. And he said, go, go north and warn those people because they've really abandoned their faith. They've abandoned me. So he went. He minced no words. You know, this southern man went up north and you now northerners told him, go home. Get out of here. We don't want to hear you. You can read about it if you read the whole book, Amos. They told him to leave. They didn't want to hear him, but he was bringing words of life to these people. And I want to look at just a few verses from Amos chapter 5. Amos chapter 5, verses 4 through 6. And it begins with, this is what the Lord says to Israel. Again, take note. This is God speaking. This is what the Lord says Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Beersheba, for Gilgal will surely go into exile, and Bethel will be reduced to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, or he will sweep through the tribes of Joseph like a fire. It will devour them, and Bethel will have no one to quench it. Seek me and live. That's what the Lord said. There's a great gain. It's life. Pursue him, pursue God, and gain life. This is what the prophet is saying. The prophet says, don't go to Bethel. Don't go to Gilgal. Don't go to Beersheba. And what is that about? Why is he saying that? These were cities that had become known for their idolatrous behavior, for their sin, for their abandonment of God, for their abandonment of the faith. In Bethel, King Jeroboam had raised up a golden calf for the people to worship. And why was that? It was, he was in the north. And that was one of the southernmost parts of the north, the city of Bethel. So he put up this idol of uh, a golden calf and he had the people worship there. Worship this thing. Why? Because I don't want you to go to Jerusalem. I don't want you to worship the true God. I don't want you to go to the temple. And Bethel became known as a place of idolatry. Gilgal was once a storied place. 
Gilgal was where Joshua celebrated the Passover after crossing the Jordan River. Saul was anointed king at, at Gilgal. But it had become a city with altars that were raised up to false gods, a place of illicit worship, a place of sin. And Beersheba, Beersheba was way down south, southernmost part of Israel, or of Judah, actually. And perhaps it was a place they thought they could run to, to be safe. Don't go there, Amos said, don't go there. And it, too, had also been infiltrated with idolatrous, idolatrous worship, so he said, you're not going to find true worship there anyway. Amos said, don't go there and seek your idols. What's that going to bring? Destruction. It's going to bring fire. You don't do this. God's judgment is coming. God was patient. He was warning these people over and over again. We, we've read from Jeremiah. We've read from Isaiah. Now Amos, God's patient. He's taken years, hundreds of years, to warn these people, seek the Lord and live. And they don't want to. But they could have gained life. Life. What life do we gain? What life do we gain if we seek God? We gain, first, eternal life. Eternal life. That is priceless. That's huge. That's amazing. That's something none of us could do. Reverend Terry was up here and he mentioned Thursday, the Gateway to Glory uh, mission held an event on Thursday, and many of us were there, and we heard personal stories from several people. And the theme in all of them, at least a thread, was seeking. Each one of these people, they were seeking. But they weren't seeking God because God was lost. God didn't lose his way. No, they, had, they were lost. These individuals were lost, and they shared their different experiences of being lost. They were groping around in the dark, searching. They realized they were on a path that led only to pain, a path that led to death, and a path that led to hell. And they were seeking the route to life. They were seeking the route to life. They wanted an exit ramp off of this life that was taking them on this highway to hell. They needed a way out. And they were seeking a way to be forgiven of their sins and their wrongs and their failures and the shortcomings they talk about. And each one of them, each one of them found the way. They found the way. They found the truth. They found the life. They found God through the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ because he gave his life on the cross. They received the grace of the cross. What did we sing about today? Amazing grace, unfailing love, unending love. This is the love of the cross of Jesus Christ. A God named Jesus took their penalty. They found that. They found that Jesus paid the price, took all their wrong said, I forgive you of that for free, for free, no cost, nothing. They, they, didn't, they couldn't pay, and there was no cost. That's grace. That is grace. Jesus Christ became sin. He became sin who knew no sin, so that every one of these that was speaking, they could be the righteousness of God. They could stand before their creator completely justified, because of Christ, and they discovered this. They discovered life in Christ. They were reborn in Christ. That's new life. And now they were on this pathway. They're on this pathway to new life. 
And when they were found, when they were found, I, there is no doubt there were those angels rejoicing in heaven, just like that. That lady I was watching in her face turned to joy. She's found. They found her. Each one of them, they were found. And each one of us, each one of us too, who have yielded our life to Jesus. I think it was Ryan Kilgore who uh, wanted help so bad, and he not knowing much about God, yet he cried out to God. And then later he learned, he learned something from God's word. He learned from the scripture, from Jeremiah chapter 29. And he quoted it, Jeremiah 29, 13 and 14. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you. Again, an Old Testament prophet, Jeremiah, telling Israel, if you seek God, seek him with all your heart, you will find him. And, and that's a general principle for all of us that we can apply. If we seek God with all our heart, Ryan found him. He found Jesus. And all the others who were speaking found Jesus. And so many of us sitting here this morning, we found him. And this is what Paul said. He talked about us who are seeking and those who are seeking, and we don't even know what we're looking for. Paul came across some people in, in Athens. They didn't know what they were looking for. They had a shrine to an unknown God. And he said in the book of Acts, he said, from one man God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him. Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising Jesus from the dead. We seek God. He's not far. God's not lost. Paul's saying he's not far. He's, he's really close. Seek the Lord and live, Amos said in the Old Testament, and in the New, seek him. Reach out for him. Pursue him. He's not far away. In him we live life. In him we move. We have our entire being. And who is the him? The him is Jesus. Jesus, who was proven by the resurrection from the dead. God is found only in Jesus Christ. When we seek God, we find him only only through Christ. Amos said to the Israelites, you're not going to find him through your idols. Go ahead, go off to Gilgal. You're not going to find him, so don't go there. What are you going to find there? You're going to find a golden calf, and God's not going to be in the golden calf. That's Bethel, but Gilgal too. You're not going to find him there. You're not going to find him in your idols or your altars. He said those altars are in a heaps of ruins, he said later on. You're not going to find him if you even try to run off to Beersheba, God's not going to be found there. And you know what? In this day and age, we're not going to find God if we're chasing after Buddha. And we're not going to find him if we're going after Muhammad. He's not in Krishna. God's not in transcendental meditation. He's not going to be found in Oprah Winfrey, by the way. And you know what? If you're tuning in to Dr. Phil, God's not going to be there either. He's not in any celebrity. He's not in your career if that's what you're chasing after. You know what? He's not there. You're not going to find him in your degrees and in your education. And if you put a few more letters after your name, God's not there. 
God's not in our prescriptions, in, in our medications. He's not in what we drink. He's not going to be in what we smoke. We're not going to find God through our children. We're not going to get God through our spouse. In vain do we seek God. In vain do we seek God in all of that. It's all idolatry. If we raise it up and say we'll find our, our fulfillment and our hope there, in vain do we seek God except in Jesus Christ. Only. Only, only in Jesus Christ is God revealed. He said to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Only in Christ is God revealed. When, you, when your search, when your search leads you to Jesus, and you might be searching in these other religions, you might be searching in these other things, and they might be some kind of way for you to eventually get to God, but he's not going to be in that. He's not. It's, it's, a, it's a path that's leading to a dead end if you stay on that path. But if your path, your search takes you to Jesus, and if you're seeking with all of your heart, if you are truly seeking with all of your heart, your search is going to take you to Jesus. If you're seeking with all your heart, he will be found. And when you have found him, you have found the way and you have found the truth and you have found the life because Jesus Christ is God. He is life. Paul told the Colossians this. He said, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. How is that? It's Jesus. He's God. He's the head over every power and authority. He is the giver of eternal life. Now, this is not an abstract concept. Eternal life in Christ isn't some theoretical textbook idea. It's real. It's authentic. There's a reality to it. And it certainly comes through when you hear people, like we heard on Thursday, the reality of eternal life. You can't beat that deal. Lazarus' sister Martha, she went to Jesus for a miracle. She's looking for a miracle. And Jesus said to her in John 11, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die... Yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That's eternal life. And then he punctuates it with a question to Martha. Do you believe this? Do you believe it? Martha answered affirmatively. She said, yes, yes, you're, you're the Messiah. You are the Son of God. And to all, to all who are seeking life, to all who are seeking an answer to this emptiness, this void to fulfillment. Do you believe this? To answer in the affirmative means you have found what you're looking for. There is no greater gain, none, no greater gain than eternal life. The free gift of salvation from sin received through Jesus. Jesus Christ is the only way. He's the entrance way. He's the gateway. He's the door to eternal life. In John 10, Jesus said that. He said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. 
They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, of all other stories I heard on Thursday, not a single one, not a single one said, I was seeking, I was seeking, and I found Jesus. And that was fantastic. I found Jesus, and I gained eternal life. And then I went back to my old life, and I just kept on doing what I was doing. Not a single one. Not a single one. They didn't gain eternal life and then just continue on as if nothing had happened. No, they had found something spectacular, something beyond comprehension. They'd found Jesus Christ. They had received his grace. They'd gained eternity. And something happened. They turned from this life of sin and guilt and shame, and they began to live day by day for Jesus Christ. It's a story of many of us, so many of us, and was it perfect? Was it grand? Was it this instantaneous, yes, life's perfect? Well, absolutely not. And I'd be lying to you if I told you that's the way it works. No, there were setbacks. There were frustrations. There were roadblocks, and there were obstacles, and there were hindrances, and there were hurdles, and there were temptations. The new life wasn't just this instant revolution. No, there was a learning curve. There was a getting-to-know-you process, and that's the same for all of us. Over time, walking with Jesus, living for Jesus, this became more and more the norm. So on day one, it was, it was different. It was hard. It was difficult. Yeah, it was glorious. I get it. I've got eternal life, but now what? I'm still getting pulled by this old thing that I used to go to, and it would help me, and it would medicate me, and it would take away my pain i got to learn to pile that now onto Jesus and cast my cares upon him. And that takes a little bit of time. But more and more, day by day, the old life became part of a distant past. And the new life now became what Jesus said, life to the full. Life to the full was developing. Life to the full begins with this first step of receiving eternal life. You're not going to get life to the full until you get eternal life. Till you realize that Jesus died for you and he saved you and he broke those chains. Those chains are gone. And after discovering this incomprehensible gift of, of eternal life and forgiveness, the seeking continues. The seeking does not stop. The pursuit doesn't end there. The pursuit doesn't end at eternal life. The consultation doesn't end. It's not as if, well, Lord, I need, you, I, I need to consult with you. I'm dying here. I'm in this hole, Lord. I need to be saved. Thank you for saving me. Goodbye. No, that's not how it works. No, it's hello. I need more of you. The seeking should not stop. It should never stop. Yes, there are roadblocks sometimes and there's hurdles and the seeking might get clouded a little bit. But God's not perfectly and completely revealed to us in this life. He never will be completely revealed to us in this life. We learn about him and there's always more to learn. We experience his presence like we did this morning in this beautiful time we had here. We experience his presence as we get up 
and we go about our day when we pray to Him and ask Him, Lord, be with me and guide me today. We experience His presence, but there is always more of His presence that we can experience. For now, we only see, Paul said, it's like a reflection in a mirror. But then will come the day when we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, a little part, the day is coming when I will know in full. The day that we'll all come to face to face. The day that when we fully know God has called us into his complete presence. That day's coming for all of us, or God willing, it'll be the day that Jesus Christ returns. Whatever day comes first. But until then, we're called to seek God, to seek more of Him, to know more of Him, to experience more of Him, to develop our relationship with Him. Whatever you know about Jesus, whatever the depth of your relationship with Jesus, and it might be great, I want to tell you there's more. There is more for you. There is more for you to learn and to gain and to, to grow in Jesus Christ in a relationship with Him. We've only scratched the surface with Jesus. And you might say, but it's been so great since I've been saved and I have been learning and growing. There's more. You've only scratched the surface. You know, there was big news. There was big news on Mars last week. I don't know if you get the paper from Mars, but I do. <laughs> the European Space Research and Technology Center's ExoMars mission it was due to have this landing module gently, gently land on the surface of Mars. And on October 19th, a little while ago, it broke through the atmosphere of Mars and it was coming down, but something went wrong. It's a man-made device and it just smashed down. It crashed down. It didn't gently land. And now it's all about the pictures. It's all about the pictures of Mars and this crash site, and there's this crater there, and it's black, and they're measuring how big the crater is and all that. You know, Mars is just the planet one next to us. You know, when I was a kid, I learned about our solar system. I learned there was nine planets in the solar system, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Uranus, Neptune, Saturn, and Pluto. So now what's happened to Pluto? I don't, since I was a kid, Pluto went away. I mean, they call Pluto a dwarf planet now, and he's, Pluto's been demoted. <laughs> Seriously, there's only eight planets. Well, but, but then they found this new mystery planet they call Planet X. It's about the size of Neptune, they say, and it's somewhere beyond Pluto, so now maybe we're back to nine. You know, our little solar system is just a blip. It's, it's just a little particle of dust in the Milky Way galaxy. And the Milky Way galaxy is just, it's just dust in the universe. There's billions of galaxies. Estimates are upwards of 200 billion galaxies. The Milky Way is just one. So when we look out and we see all the stars out there, that's just one out of billions of galaxies. The universe is enormous, beyond what we can comprehend. And we haven't figured out how many planets are in our little itty-bitty solar system. <laughs> I mean, we cannot get an exploratory craft to land on the planet next door. 
we have not scratched the surface of knowing the universe. And you know who created the universe? Jesus. All right? God created the universe. So if you think you know all there is to know about God, if you think you've experienced everything there is to experience, you've only scratched the surface. Whatever you know about Jesus, whatever the depth of your relationship and and the amount of the presence you've had with him, there is more. And I want to encourage you this morning to keep seeking more. Seek him. Seek him in his word. Seek him in prayer. Seek him at these altars. I've said it. Seek him in the sacraments. Seek him. Seek him. Have we not discovered something about how profound that little phrase is? Seek him. It's living in his grace. It's living in that unending love, that unfailing love. And it is to begin to yearn after what he yearns for, to love what he loves, to hate what he hates, to begin to put on the mind of Christ and to think his thoughts, to see to see the working out of his purposes, not our purposes, to see the the working out of his will and his purpose and to make those our own and to rejoice and to be overjoyed if just one, if just one of those purposes we see are fulfilled because I know I'm a feeble-minded human creature and I'm failable. And sometimes his purposes Though I might know them, they don't work out the way I know he'd have them. I need to seek him more. I need to seek him more. This is to seek God, to seek after everything about him, to pursue him hard. And they who seek God gain eternal life. And if you've already gained eternal life, that's a great thing. But continue to seek God, to receive this life that Jesus said is life in the full. I want us to see this. I want us as a church to see this. I want us to see the depth of what it means to seek God. Because I think it can be minimized and put aside it's not just running to God when we're in a bind that's not seeking God help me help me to see Jesus it's not just scurrying to him when we need forgiveness you know help me Lord I need you you know favor and help and forgiveness these are all well and good they are excellent But if that's all we're going for, we've hardly even begun to make a scratch. That's the minimum of seeking God. If we're only seeking Jesus when it's a tough time or a battle, we're missing out on life to the full. We're leaving gaps and we're leaving absences from his presence. And what does that give way to? What does it give way to? I don't think it was any coincidence that Jesus said, I've come that you might have life to the full. And in the same breath, he's saying, but the thief, the thief comes to rob and to kill and destroy, doesn't he? So when you leave his presence, when you're not seeking hard after God and you're not pursuing Jesus Christ, you're leaving these gaps and these holes and these absences for the thief to come in only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Seek Jesus. Don't give that devil his due. What did Mary Magdalene 
know of Jesus? What did she know? know, Her story is brief. There's not really much detail in in the Scripture about this woman. She's connected with so many other women, and there's so many Marys in the Scripture. We don't have exact details. We can only make certain suppositions. But what we know for sure, what we know for sure about her as clear in Scripture, and it's there, and it says that Jesus, as he traveled through towns and villages with his disciples, there was a number of women with him who had been cured of ailments and sicknesses, and they had been relieved of demons. And among them was a lady named Joanna, and another named Susanna, and Mary. Mary, who was surnamed Magdalene. And out of her, we read, from her, seven demons had gone out. No doubt, no doubt, she was seeking, she was seeking to be relieved of demonic oppression, to be possessed by seven demons. Who wouldn't want to be freed from that? No doubt in my mind, though, I, I don't have a scripture to say that's exactly what she was doing, that she pursued Jesus for that help. Jesus, I need this help. I've seen you. I've watched you. I've watched you. I've seen you put out demons from people. I need it. And she found this, and she found Christ, and she was healed of this demonic uh, possession, and she gained eternal life. But then she began to follow him. And we can li- read little scriptures as, as we go through our Gospels, and we find that Mary Magdalene followed Jesus. She began to pursue him. She began to live life with these others that were following him. And when he was arrested, and when he was put on trial, and so many of his followers scattered and left and abandoned him, there was Mary. There was Mary with some other women witnessing the man who had cast demons out of her, being nailed to a cross. She witnessed his trial. She witnessed his crucifixion. She watched him get taken off the cross and laid in the tomb. But after he was put in the tomb, who went back? Who kept pursuing? Who kept looking? Mary. She went back to to tend to Jesus' body with spices and uh, take care of him. She found an empty tomb. She found an empty tomb and she met her Lord there. And seven weeks later, the Holy Spirit was poured into 120 people who had gathered together in prayer. And it says in the book of Acts, it was the disciples and the women. And there is no doubt in my mind that among those women was a woman named Mary of Magdalene. I think she understood seeking. She didn't go and just receive her healing and and turn from Jesus. She didn't get eternal life and just stop following. She went to the cross. She went to the cross, and then she went to the tomb. Jesus died for her. Jesus was resurrected for her, and she kept on seeking. She kept on pursuing, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you seeking God today? Are you seeking God like a Mary Magdalene would seek God. Seek him at the cross. Seek him at the empty tomb. Find him in the Holy Spirit and be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you've never discovered, if you've never discovered him, if you've never discovered God through Jesus Christ, you can receive what she first received, eternal life. He's right here. He isn't far at all. He is not far at all. 
Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? That's step one. That's the first step. Have you made that step? Have you offered up your life to Jesus? If not, today you can. And if you have, and I know many of you have, so many of you, you've made that step. But has, has, has something gotten in the way? Are you stalled out? Is there an absence? Is there a gap? Or are you still seeking? Are these gaps, these pauses, these absences, are they there and are they hindering your life to the full? Has something stepped in the way? And is there an idol? Is there an idol? Something in your life that's hindered you from seeking all that Jesus Christ has for you? Is there a Bethel or a Gilgal in your life? Are you trying to run off to a Beersheba? Are you dealing with the thief who comes to rob and to kill and destroy? You can lay it down today. You can lay it down at, at the feet of Jesus Christ. And I want to just invite everyone in here to stand and uh, we can take time this morning to pray about that. If you got something to lay down, if you got something that you need prayer about, if you have this, this metaphorical Gilgal or, or Bethel or Beersheba, take time today. Take time to say, God, I got to seek you. I need more of you. I want to pursue you. I want to run hard after you. I need you, Lord. And if you've never, ever, ever said, Jesus, I get it about this eternal life, or at least I get a little bit of it. I mean, you can be like, a, like a, uh, some of the people I heard on Thursdays. I didn't even know. I didn't even know what I, what I fully was even praying to or about. But you know what? When they gave it all up and they're seeking this with all their heart, God responded, and he'll respond to you this morning.